When I look at you, when I look at you all, I don't see the little native kid from Moran Street or Prairie Village. I see change makers and I see world shakers. Hello and welcome to Letters from the Lunchroom, a podcast by Communities and Schools of Mid-America. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge. Communities and Schools is a nationwide nonprofit, which connects students and their families to local resources in order to remove barriers so that they will have greater success in school and in life. During this podcast, we talk to people who have a relationship with our organization. From students to staff members and alumni to volunteers, we know that people who connect with nonprofits have a story that led them there, and we want to know that story. Today, we are talking with Donna Bussell, Tribal Services Director in Anadarko. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the area, Anadarko is located in western Oklahoma and is known as the Indian capital of the nation. Culturally, Anadarko is rare among Oklahoma cities as Native Americans form a near majority of the population. CIS of Mid-America recently expanded into this area, bringing our program to every school in Anadarko, which includes three elementary schools, one middle school, and one high school. Donna, who is from Anadarko, is tasked with launching the program in this community. She started working with CIS less than a month ago, so I'm really interested to get Donna's view on the responsibilities that lie before her, as well as learn the story of the path that she took that led her to communities and schools. Please stay tuned as we welcome Donna to the lunchroom. So hi and welcome to the lunchroom, Donna. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited for this. Um, I know you were listening in to the intro as I was recording it. Um, And so in that little break, I was just confirming that you had only been with us for less than a month. And it's like just right over two and a half, three weeks. So you and I, we met briefly via video. um, But I know so very little about you. And that makes you to me, really unique as a guest. So I'm very excited to get to know you more as a person and as a coworker, um, and of course to learn the story of the path that you took that connected you to communities and schools. So my first question to you is, do you know where that path began? Um, yeah, that path began a long time ago when I was um, growing up. Um, my uh, grandfather and grandmother raised me. Um, I actually did not grow up uh, in the, my younger years in Anadarko. Um, uh, that was in Fort Cobb, which is like 15 minutes, 20 minutes away from Anadarko. So it, that's a smaller town. Um, but my parents were both really young when they had me. And um, my mom's side, uh, my, her, her dad and her mom took me in as a brand new baby. So they had me from the day I was born. And uh, it was a very traditional household. My, my um, as far as the native side goes, my grandfather is a full-blood uh, member of the Apache tribe of Oklahoma. And my grandmother is a full-blood member of the Comanche tribe of Oklahoma. So I grew up in a household with my grandparents. And uh, um, we had a lot of native traditions. We did a lot of the, the you know, where it was involved in a lot of the, the native communities. Um, my grandmother actually was a teacher's aide at the Fort Cobb schools, and she was with the Johnson O'Malley group, which is a program for Native American uh, students and schools to get different supplies and, and things like that. So she always brought home these um, old teacher books and uh, like the old basils, you know, that teachers used to have and go through. So I would sit there and go over those and pretend I was teaching. I put all my little stuffed animals up. Never really knew I wanted to be a teacher, especially when I got in high school. But uh, I ended up getting into education. Um, but growing up was really difficult without your parents, without, you know, it was my grandparents and they did a heck of a job. And we were pretty uh, poor. I never knew how 
how much money we did not have. But uh, this is all leading up to why I, I got into this. But I began to be a teacher because I just saw the need for somebody like me and you know somebody who grew up like I did with barely anything and without your parents at home. And um, although I didn't have anything, I did have them and they were a big supporter of me going and getting my education. Um, became a teacher, started teaching in the Anadarko area. I became a teacher's assistant first with the Indian Education uh, Department and um, really learned a whole lot from the people around me, my, my mentors. Um, and then I started teaching and it, I, I loved it. I loved it from the day that I started. Uh, but I did see, you know, a lot of the things in our community. Uh, there's a lot of teachers who are here and they're helping and they're, they have a lot of different programs in place. But then, you know, like you were um, saying, there's our, our district is made up of over 62% Native Americans. Um, we had a couple of really big jobs here, different, uh, you know, companies that had their jobs and they pulled out of Inadarko in the 90s. And ever since then, our, our town has uh, been kind of crippled from that. Um, I think programs in the tribes try and do what they can to help with different things like substance abuse and alcohol abuse. And, um, but when there's not a whole lot here, it's really hard to see people thrive. So um, it, it, I, I still am very much involved with my kids when I was teaching here with my community. We did a lot of different things and were involved with the youth groups and the youth activities. But I was led away. My, my husband got a different job in the, another in the city, so we moved. But I still felt connected to home. And I knew this was always gonna be my home and we always came back. Very, very, very close with all my students. We moved and it was last summer. Uh, there is this big news report that the town I was living in um, was the number one town in all of Oklahoma. And the town I just left, my home, was voted the worst town in Oklahoma. That broke my heart. Um, that really broke my heart because all I could think of was my family, my students, and how they must feel because living here, we never thought that. You know, There are things that happen, but you never think that your town is your home. It's the worst in the whole state. Um, but there was a, somebody had told me about this position and it takes a lot for me to leave my classroom because I, I love what I, I do. I love my classroom. And someone told me about communities and schools coming to Anadarko through this grant. And they told me that I should look at it and apply for it. So I do all, I do research. I'm a data girl. I do my research. Um, and I just started looking at the the website and you know when I saw uh, that you're in school CIS is in schools to break barriers CIS is in schools to help empower students and I just thought wow that's that's amazing and then I saw all of the the outreach that CIS does and how they get into the community and that has been my biggest thing um, even when I was a teacher here is that you know, as teachers, we're, we are always placed on, on um, that list of it's our responsibility as teachers to make sure the kids have everything that they need. But, you know, teachers' plates are just full. They're, they're super full. But we always go home and we worry about our kids. And with how I saw how CIS can come in and they can get the community involved. Because this our, raising these kids and teaching them how to be you know, young men and young women and giving them that support, that takes everyone. Um, and I saw that and I was just like, that's amazing. That's, that's just absolutely amazing. So I went and told my husband, I told my kids and they were like, go do it. You need to go do it. You need to go, go back home and go do that. Um, I reached out to my principal at the school that, that I was at in Mustang and my superintendents there. And they gave me their blessing. They just told me that that would be, um, whenever I was offered the position, they told me that would be a great, a great opportunity. So all of that led me to uh, CIS. 
just um, growing up in the Native community and uh, growing up in this town. My, I, I spent this, my 20s and uh, a lot of my 30s in Anadarko. And I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty, and all of it has taught me how to persevere. Um, I could have stopped a long time ago in high school without my mom, without my dad, without, um, they were there, but they, they, you know, they didn't raise me like my grandpa and grandma did. And I could have um, just given up. And I know some of our kids have given up, but I had mentors and I had opportunities placed in front of me to go on and to persevere. And I, you know, got my associate's degree with four little kids at home. Um, then I went on to get my bachelor's degree. Um, then I went on to get my master's degree so I could just be uh, uh, more knowledgeable about what I was doing. And I want to be that. I want to do that for my, my kids here, my family here in this community, to be able to put opportunities in front of them. Even if there's obstacles, there's always an opportunity, you know, right by an obstacle. There's, there's ways around it. One of the biggest things, and this stays with me forever, I had someone when I was first starting, and it was really difficult. I was a single mom um, with four kids, and they were all little bitty. Um, I met my husband now at when I was getting my bachelor's degree, but I was a single mom trying to just make it, and I was really young in my early 20s. And I started out at a career tech in Fort Cobb before I got my, my associate's. And I remember how tough it was, how much I, the things I did not have, the very little food that I didn't have, the not even having diapers to help, you know, with my kids. And the uh, superintendent of that career tech came up to me and he asked me, you know, what do you want to get out of life? And I just told him, I, I want to survive. I just want to survive. I want my associate's degree, but really right now I'm just looking to survive. So he said, you want your associate's degree? And I was like, yeah, I, eventually I want that. But I don't have a car. I don't have money. I don't have a way to get that. And he looked at me and just said, don't let something like not having a car keep you from reaching your dreams. And that little statement stayed with me forever. And I think when we put these site coordinators in positions here, when we, when we get them in all the schools, they're going to be that for these kids. And to be that for the kids here in my home, it's just amazing. It's And I, I can't wait to get started in August. And that whole story really is what led me to CIS, to, to, see, to see those obstacles removed and put opportunities in front of the kids. Wow. I'm over here just like silently applauding. That's amazing. Um, Wow. Okay. So one question I do have for you um, as I collect myself, because that was an incredibly powerful story, um, is, so you you said that you're close to your students. In your role that you are doing now, are you able to help support those students that were yours previously? That's the best thing. Um, I'm housed, my, my uh, office is in the high school. And um, my heart is for my, my kids, no matter what age, but I love high school kids because I think they're just amazing. I see that little spark in them that, you know, can be ignited into something amazing. Um, and the kids that are up here, the sophomores, I had these guys when they were in second grade. I had them when they were in sixth grade, and I just love them so much. And I see our numbers dwindling down, and um, that that kind of scares me, uh, but hopefully we can come in here at CIS and, and just help improve these little, these basic needs um, for our kids. Uh, but yeah, I get to see them. Uh, I get to give them hugs and they keep asking me, are you back? Are you back? And I'm like, dude, I'm back. I'm here. And uh, one said, are you going to come in here and be my teacher? I need you to be my teacher. I'm like, I'm not going to be your teacher, but I am here to make sure that you Aww. make something of yourself when you graduate. And uh, don't forget that I'm watching you. So he's like, oh, thank you, Rose. But yeah, these are my babies, and they always have been. They've been on my heart from forever. And uh, I love my kids that I have back in Mushroom Creek. Um, yeah. Those are my kids, too. But, you know, these yeah. these kids are they're my heart. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really cool that 
we are completely saturating the community there in Anadarko um, so that every student that has a need will be able to rely on a CIS site coordinator in this upcoming school year. And for the size of the community and you know, not only just the, the district itself, but the population, um, I think it's just really um, astounding that we get the opportunity to go in there and do what we do best and to help, like you said, remove um, any kind of barriers they have and just provide them with opportunities instead. And as I hear you talk about it and your experience and your dreams for the program, I'm just so stoked because I always am very proud of the job that we do in regards to recruiting and hiring really amazing team members. Um, and, you know, it's just like you are just another person that just proves that that's true and that we really do manage to get like the perfect people for the perfect jobs um, that are going to bring, you know, their unique skills and experiences and strengths and then make that job just amazing so I'm, i can't wait to see what happens i'm excited i'm, I'm ready to go I'm, you I'm know i excited uh, <laughs> at mustang where i just was i, I had just won the uh, mustang high school teacher of the year and like yeah so like two weeks later are I'm you like, serious oh, guys, i didn't I'm know gonna, that i'm gonna have to leave but yeah <laughs> um that was awesome uh for my my peers that they decided to to give me that award yeah, congrats on that. That says a lot in so many ways. I mean, not only um, as you as a teacher, but you as a, you know, a colleague. So that's very yeah. exciting. Holy moly. Okay, so um, one of the things, another question that I had for you um, is I would love to know one of the things or one of the moments in your life that you are most proud of. Oh, there's a lot. Um, besides my kids, I'm proud of my kids every day. Uh, my, my, I have four kids, um, a senior, a junior, and a sophomore twin. Um, so wait, you get to see, do you, so you get to see your kids? They're still do in they Mustang. Do they go to the? They're, they're still oh, they're in Mustang. Mustang. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, I think one of them is trying to come back with me and come home, so, so who Aww. knows? Um, Aww. One of the things I'm most proud of is just... Um, That's a hard question. Re well, when I received my associate's degree, that was something yeah. that, you know, it, uh, it was that stepping off point um, to know that I, I did that and that I could go on. Um, because in high school, I was a salutatorian and I went to OU for a couple of years and just thought I was going to, you know, rule the world one day like, like we all do. But there's just obstacles that things that got in the way and there was these different things that happened and it um whenever I had my kids and I was a single mom and you know I thought I would never ever be able to do anything and whenever I received that associate's degree that was probably uh, one of the first proudest moments of my life mm -hmm. I've had many I, com <laughs> I completely feel you on that um because I know that you are no longer a single mom. Um, I am a single mom. I'm a, I'm a full-on solo parent, so just the one and only. And my daughter is almost 13. She turns 13 on uh, Earth Day. And I went to grad school when I was six months pregnant with her. And so one of my proudest moments is getting that, that master's degree. And even though my baby was only like you know a year and a half at the time, um, I know that she was in the crowd and she was there watching me, you know, receive my degree and get hooded in the graduate ceremony. And it's just, it's a whole different level of work whenever you are trying to balance those almost like competing priorities. Right. They're both so incredibly important. Um, and so I already feel like so connected to you because I know that you and I, we feel each other on that. <laughs> like yeah. we know how oh, tough yeah. it is. I can't imagine doing it with four kiddos. Um, I mean, my goodness. So I, I know the strength that you bring um, to anything that you do because you are somebody who aims high and is clearly motivated and puts a lot of quality and, and hard work into what they do. And I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know that we just talked about 
you know, what was something that you were most proud of? If you had the opportunity to go back and change one thing in your life, would you? And if so, what would that thing be? That's something I actually think about um, at times. And, you know, there was some tough, dark days in my life with, with um, some, some first things that, that happened when my kids were teeny tiny. And I don't think I would change anything because um, that all of those struggles, all of those things I went through made me who I am today. And I really feel that I have grown as um, a person, grown as an advocate, grown as a teacher, grown as a mom. I've grown as a woman. Um, I found my voice. I remember being just really meek and not really speaking up for myself and just letting, you know, things happen and people walk all over me. But um, it was really my my kids and seeing them with their little bitty faces and their, um, you know, what, what am I going to do for them? How I can't be this quiet, meek person that doesn't strive for anything. I have to pick myself up and, you know, knock off the dust and go for it, whatever it is that I needed to do. So those obstacles that were in front of me all those different times have really shaped who I am. Um, you know, all of the sharp edges and the soft edges, all of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important, and I really hope that students get a chance to listen to this podcast or take the opportunity to listen to the podcast, because I know that we've kind of talked about it. Um, I think that either Blanca and I talked about it or Hania and I talked about it previously, about the importance of sharing those stories and sharing um, the struggles that people have had in their lives, because a lot of times, whenever you meet somebody, we're meeting them at a point in their life where hopefully they've overcome their struggles, but you don't know of their past necessarily. And so it's really important to, like I like to say, to keep it real and to share that and to say that the reality is, is that I worked really hard and sometimes things were not good. Sometimes, you know, my days were dark and my nights were darker and I wasn't sure what was going to happen next, but I used that opportunity to grow as a person and to get stronger and I think that it's really important for the students that we support and that we serve to know that that things may be tough now but you can use this to your advantage to become a better person in the future Um, because I think the only time you truly fail is when you don't do that right exactly and that's what I've always told my students especially when I was here in Interdarko when I was teaching my my native kids I would always let them know, you know, there is going to be somebody before you, um, because on on my on my mom's side, I have my my grandfather and my grandmother, who's you know full blooded Apache and full blooded Comanche, and then on my dad's side, his mother was a single mother, my uh, grandmother, and um, she uh, is full blooded Caddo uh, from the Caddo tribe, the Caddo Nation. Um, she's one of my inspirations. She was a single mom um, with three kids. She um, uh, became a teacher and eventually got her PhD when she wow. was uh, a lot older. Um, and she's just amazing. And now that she's retired, she's in her eighties. She is an artist. She's a poet. Um, she constantly reads her, her home is like a library itself. So, you know, I, she was one of my, one of my mentors and one of why another reason why I never gave up, but I'd let my students know there has been somebody who has fought for you so you could have this opportunity to have an education. Don't waste that. Don't squander that. Do something. Even if it's just getting your, your you know, high school diploma and you go off and you want to have your own business, you want to just work in the workforce. And one of my kids, you know, sixth graders just started out, uh, I just want to go work at McDonald's. So, you know, there's always one. And I just was like, if you want to go work at McDonald's, be the best McDonald's worker you could be, you know, right. Somebody yeah. that. You know, if that's what you want to do, that's totally fine. Um, and I've always told my, uh, my own kids, you know, be your ancestors wildest dreams. You know, we've had, we've fought tooth and nail as a, as a native community to be where we are and to have these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the late seventies that our people our our community was, um, 
they stopped in the late seventies, uh, forcing native kids to go to boarding schools. So that was in the late seventies. So all of these, there's generational hurts. There's, um, you know, historical hurts that come about, especially in a native community like Anadarko. And there's a lot of mistrust when it comes to the schools sometimes. So, um, when I share these stories with my students and I can share these stories with my parents and the community as well, and they can see that you can make it outside the community and still keep your native identity, that's important. And I really hope that's what we can, we can bring to this community is our stories. And I, I think it's so important to tell our stories no matter you know, how, they, how they look in the past. I think that makes it more real. Like you said, you have to keep it real. So I want to talk a little bit about the Native community. Um, whenever you and I spoke earlier this week, um, I told you that this is an area where I'm fairly ignorant. Um, I'm really excited about the fact that we are moving into, that we have moved into this Native um, community, you know, for the agency-wide, you know, the CIS side. Um, but one of the things that I'm curious about is as you are establishing the program in the community, are there needs um, and challenges that are unique to Anadarko because it is a Native community that we wouldn't maybe see in a non-Native community? Uh, Anadarko is unique in and of itself because of the, the population of uh, our Native community members here. Um, and, you know, what happens a lot is um, family is really strong here, but there's also a lot of uh, um, crime there for a small town it, if there's a, a, there's crime here there's um, alcoholism and drug abuse and um, we see a lot of this um, unemployment rate is high mm-hmm. for a, such a small community and our tribes do have resources there's seven local tribes right around this area um, and they do have resources and they have ways to help but not everybody reaches out for that um, Native, Native communities and Native people in and of themselves are very prideful, and I suffer from that as well. There's times that I, my, I let my pride take over, um, you know, instead of uh, my sense, yeah. and uh, usually it happens when me and my husband are having a debate, <laughs> but uh, my pride really takes over, but it's, it's something here, and it's one of these strongholds that, you know, we have to just go out and educate. Um, I want to be able to go out and have programs that bring in all of the, and I've already been out talking to all of the uh, different um, resources that we have, all of the other uh, partners that are around with their own coalitions and their own groups that are trying to bring um, similar um, things to this community, similar um, resources. And um, sometimes there's partnerships and sometimes there's not partnerships within the tribes. So I'm hoping to go out and educate and, you know, break some of those barriers as well. Um, we, I think working together is the only way that we're going to be able to see success. And um, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's going to be an amazing process to watch. Definitely. Um, and like I said before, I think you're absolutely the perfect person to, to lead that process. So I'm just really stoked to have you in the role. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. So before we roll over to the second segment of the uh, the episode, I was wondering if you could share with me one of your favorite success stories um, involving maybe a student that you've had in the past. Okay. Um, well, I always I've do I've done a, some teacher training and I've done some of those things and. Um, one of the successes I always bring about is um, one of my little girls, and she's up here in the high school now, and I get to see her and hug her. Um, I had her in sixth grade, and um, she's always, always, always failed her tests. And she since the third grade, since they took tests, and um, her reading scores were always low. And she hated taking tests. She would get anxiety about it. Um, she's a little native girl and she would just get so sick every time we had to take a test. So, and this is a lot of kids, but, uh, we worked and we worked and I just showed her different ways to go through things. We, um, had reading opportunities that were relevant for her, relevant for, for what she was interested in. 
and um, I showed her different little little skills that little strategies she could use and she used them I showed the whole class but she was one who took over and just used it and the end of sixth grade when we had to take the state test she did great she was like two points away from advanced when they scored it at, at advanced so she was proficient the first time ever she was in the green and she was so excited and came and hugged my neck and was just telling me how uh, it was me, but it wasn't me. It was her. She found these opportunities and knew she wanted to be successful. So she took a hold of them. And all I did was provide it. All I did was believe in her. And she just needed that as well. But, and ever, I, I met, I, uh, after that was, we moved after that year. That was the class that I moved right after her year was over. And uh, I came back home. Uh, I came back home every year to watch the kids play ball with football and basketball and she caught me and she was like uh, Miss Bussell you know that I scored advanced on this sixth grade reading test and I was like holy cow you're amazing so she just needed that little bit of, of, of belief you know that little bit of someone to say you can do it and here's how I can you can get there but you have to you know you have to do this on your own but you can be successful um, she just is amazing, and she's still doing great. She has been in the National Honor Society up here, and she's just amazing. Wow. You totally changed the path of her life. That's amazing. That's wonderful. She changed that. it. I, I just showed her little things That's that right. she could do, but she took a hold of that, and she changed it. True, true. But thankfully, you know, I don't think – I think it was a, a, a team effort. Oh, it yeah. had to have taken yeah. both of you. To do what you did yeah. and, and for her to now be achieving what she's achieving so that's phenomenal okay well we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back with a second serving of letters from the lunchroom stay tuned Welcome back. As part of our show, we ask each guest to write a letter to the students that Communities and Schools serves. The only guideline they are given is that it must come from the heart. We also warn them that they will be asked to read their letter aloud during the podcast. Donna, are you ready to read your letter? Yes, I am. Okay. To all my students, my future students, sometimes you may have those days that seem like everything is going wrong and no one sees your struggles. No one knows or seems to care what you're going through. Those sometimes may begin to feel like all the time. I want you to know that I see you. I know what you are going through. I've been there. But you know what else I see? I see a young person with so much heart, so much light. You can persevere because of your struggles. You will persevere because I believe in you and I love you. Having just one person who believes and loves you will get you far in life as long as you believe it too. And for all my native kids out there, we are brand new to this public education life. Don't run from it, run towards it with the passion and the fierceness that those before you had when they fought for you for this opportunity. Become your ancestors' wildest dreams. When I look at you, when I look at you all, I don't see the little native kid from Moran Street or Prairie Village. I see change makers and I see world shakers. Go get it. It's so crazy how, um, listen, to me, I mean, I listen to these letters being read every episode and um, I'm always hearing them for the first time. I don't know what has been written and I know how it makes me feel. Um, it's always an incredible impact to hear the letter because I feel like it's very personal. Um, how does it make you feel whenever you read that letter out loud? Uh, honestly, I had to, uh, you know, um, stop a couple times and stop tears. Um, 
because these are I, when I actually when I wrote, wrote this at 5 a.m. this morning, I see my students' faces. Um, some of my kids, unfortunately, have gone to juvenile prisons. Juvenile prisons. Some of the students that I had, and they're they haven't even graduated yet, and they're there. Some of them are in different sanctions, and you know they wrong place, wrong time, wrong people, and it it hurts my heart. It does. Um, whenever I left home and we went to Mustang that year, we had four suicides in the school district in a matter of months. And those kids stay with me. Um, one of them was my one of my, my daughter's best friends. One I had um, uh, whenever I was with the, the Kirk youth group. One of them was related to me. And another one was on our little league baseball team. My husband was had to be called there. He was 11. And, you know, it's just these the opportunities that are here for us to let these kids know that they are world shakers. They're they're world movers. They just have to believe in themselves. It doesn't always have to be dark mm -hmm. because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. All you have to do is follow it till you get there. And it may be long, it may be hard, and it may not seem like anybody's around you during that time. But if you just keep walking and keep persevering and keep trudging and keep getting up every day, you'll get there. Well, and you've mentioned a couple of times, um, and I think that this is important because you are working in a Native community, about the struggles and what ancestors have overcome and how important it is for students to not take that for granted, but instead to remember that and to use that to fuel them to be successful. Um, I personally cannot imagine what it's like to have that um, history attached to to what I'm doing. Um, I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit more detail about what that means to you personally, because you yourself have that history attached to you. Um, growing up with my, my grandparents, a lot of kids here do grow up with their grandparents, and there's a lot of uh, tradition here. There's, um, you know, powwows, and there's uh, native language classes. A lot of the tribes do that, and uh, my grandfather always, um, he, he was my best friend. He was my hero. He, you know, we did everything together. Um, he uh, would always tell me the stories of our ancestors. You know, our, our history is usually spoken, spoken history. And um, he would tell me a lot of things and the struggles that, you know, his family went through, um, through assimilation and um, being forced to leave your uh, language at home. He was, uh, instead of going to a boarding school, he went to, it was a, a big, it was a tiny school, but there was a big population of Native kids there. Um, he was little in, in elementary school, and if he spoke his language, he would get uh, hit, you know, not slapped, not, you know, lightly tapped. It was, it was a hit, and he would get hit and told not to do that. You know, he was told not to do that. In middle school, uh, whenever he was there, um, there was a lot of um, discourse between Native kids and everyone else. And he, the principal at that time, tried to fight him. You know, this was in the 30s and 40s. So the principal was trying to fight um, a 12-year-old, uh, my grandpa. So he would tell me these stories of, of the struggles that he had. And he remembered his uh, English teacher, and she was the only person that even cared about him. And she remembers, he remembers that, remembers her caring about him. That's how he got through school. He because it was because of one person. Um, they were, uh, you know, my, my Native families were granted citizenship in 1926. That was the first time they could be considered a citizen. Um, they were able to vote, but not everyone was able to vote until the 60s. I mean, these years aren't too far removed. And in the 70s, like I said, they, they, uh, um, were finally stopped being forced to go into these boarding schools. And in the boarding schools, the history of it is uh, kids were taken forcefully from parents, from homes, and put into these schools. Their hair was cut. Um, 
they were given uh, English names, American names, and they were assimilated. They were forced to leave their culture behind. So one of the things that um, is always close to my heart is making sure I know where I am from. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell my own kids. You need to know where you're from, what you came from. That way you know where you're going, especially with our native uh, populations. And I'm really, really hoping, and I'm already working with tribes around here and know a lot of them already. So we can uh, come into the school here and let our teachers know, you know, this is what our, uh, this is what we come from. This is why you may or may not see parents fully invested in you yet. There's little trust issues there. This is may not, sometimes this is the reason why people do cope with alcoholism and drug abuse and let's bring in parent um, uh, engagements, parent education and let them know about other things. Um, but my culture is very, very near and dear to my heart. And um, it's my, my mom is, uh, she is known in the powwow community. She's very well known. So is my grandmother, but it's um, very important. And I think it's very important for our students here and in Agarco to know their native community and know that they need to go out and get their degree, get an education, become an entrepreneur, become um, a handyman and bring that back to their community, to their tribe and help build up this community instead of tearing it down. Let's, if we take the effort that is sometimes taken when we tear down this community through drugs and alcohol and just running rampant and you know spray painting things and destroying things, which has happened. Um, let's start working together. Stop fighting one another and let's 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 build this town back up. Yeah, I think you're already taking so many great steps towards achieving that um, through this role that you are, you know, that you what, that you've taken on with communities and schools and. I know that you mentioned about going into the schools and explaining to the teachers to help them understand some of the uh, characteristics and um, behaviors that they may expect from parents who um, are just different from what maybe they the teachers themselves are. And I think that right. just having that open conversation and educating people is so important to creating um, empathy and bridging those gaps where the knowledge is just lacking. And people start, whenever there's the, the gap in knowledge, people start making assumptions, unfortunately. And sometimes those assumptions are not in the best light and they're rarely ever accurate. So I'm really stoked to hear the work that you're putting in and um, to hear the work that's unique to the community that you're working in based on your experience and who you are as a person. Um, I, I just, I, I think it's going to make such a huge ripple effect for those students and for the community. So very excited to see. Um, I am really, really just grateful that, you know, David Sullivan of the Indian Education Department here, Misty Bodiger of the Higher Education at the Wichita Tribe, um, NIEA, the, the National uh, Indian Education Association, and Jacob Sotai and Kelly and Brandy and everybody work together to bring this to Anadarko. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hope they know that they're a part of uh, something huge, and I just feel like it's going to um, have that ripple effect, like you said, and just help create success with these kids well and we you know all of us here with communities and schools we have your back so we'll do anything you need to really support you because what you're doing is not small so we've got your back and uh we're all here to help make sure that those kids and your community has everything they need so that people are successful I know, I know. I've met some great people already, and I'm so excited to be working with them and working on CIS. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, we're going to take another quick break, and then we will be back for the final segment, which is our extra credit questions. Stay tuned.
are back. Donna, are you ready for some extra credit questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, I know that you are a fan of this podcast and that you've listened to it before, so you may have an idea of what's coming. However, most people I talk to have a little bit more um, of a history with communities and schools. So I did change these just a little bit to be a little bit more customized to you since you are new with us. So what are you most looking forward to regarding your work with communities and schools? Um, the community involvement, you know, working with partners, working with other organizations and um, uh, just working with the community and, and having them be involved with the school and these students more. So when our students go into a store, it's not, you know, um, watching them from afar, it's coming up to them and hugging them or giving them a high five and knowing their names. Um, so I am really excited about, about that. And the site coordinators. I'm so excited to have some rock star site coordinators at each and every site. Oh, perfect. So if anybody's interested, just uh, let's see, what can they do? They can send you an email, I suppose, right? They could reach out to Donna, um, right. donna.bussell, B-U-S-S-E-L-L at cismidamerica.org. If you are interested, you can also just check out our website at cismidamerica.org. Um, if you want more information on that and definitely keep your eyes open. And I know that we typically also post on Indeed and probably like your local paper. Yeah, they'll be in the local paper and the local uh, Native American uh, papers as well. Awesome. That's very cool. Um, so then sort of on the flip side, what do you feel is your biggest challenge at the moment regarding your position and what you're doing? Um, myself. Uh, I'm an introvert at heart. And, really? Uh, yes. Uh, my most comfortable place is uh, at home in my chair reading a book next my, to my dog next to my side. Um, but other than that place, it's in front of my students uh, teaching. I always told them I, I'm more comfortable in front of you guys than, than big people. But um, I've had uh, so many opportunities in the last few years training teachers. So that has helped me to break out of my shell. And um, just advocating for public education, uh, I've, I was able to break out of my shell and talk to people. So this is a new thing for me, um, talking all the time. I, I shake a little inside when I have to go. And I met tons of teachers today with their meetings. And um, I, I know most of them, and there are a lot, a lot of them are my friends and uh, former colleagues. And that still, I still shake a little inside because it's a little terrifying. But when I think about these kids and what I need to do and how I need to approach everything, you know, I get a little braver as I go. Mm -hmm. I totally feel you. Um, my undergraduate is in communications and my graduate degree is in English and I do a lot of talking and I still get so nervous every time I do it. And I like to say, oh, it's just the adrenaline running through. But no, I'm, I'm just straight up nervous because yeah. <laughs> um, I, I too... Yeah. I'm also an introvert. Um, home is my favorite place in the world. So um, so then if you had one superpower, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. I'm a Marvel fan, so I have tons of super, here, uh, you know, superheroes that I like and superpowers. Um, okay. I think one of my superpowers would be able to snap my fingers and make everything better. Um, you know, I, I see my kids and their struggles, maybe be able to just snap my fingers and have whatever they need in front of them without asking them. So they don't feel like they need to ask. And I just want to, you know, um, save everybody and help my student, my kids and their parents. And, um, I don't know if that's a superpower that's out there, but I would, wouldn't mind having it. I think that sounds pretty wonderful. And I think it, whenever it comes to, you know, types of superpowers, it's kind of uh, whatever your wildest dreams are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to snag a little quote from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we are going to um, wrap up the episode. But before I begin to do that, is there anything else that you want to talk about or share? Um. I'm just excited. I'm so appreciative uh, to everyone who, who made this possible. 
and for bringing this to Anadarko and for letting me be a part of it. Um, I'm just really uh, beyond humble that I get to be in this position and um, help change not only the kids that were in my classroom, but the entire district. And that is just, it, I feel so humble and so excited. Well, um, you were in good company because I know that myself and the other people that I've talked to in the organization um, about this, that they're, they're all very excited too. So um, yeah, like I said, we, we can't wait. It's going to be an amazing journey. So oh, yeah. um, thank you so much, Donna, for taking the time to talk with me and for sharing your story um, and just everything. I really, I, I look forward to everything you're going to do. I know it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So that is it for today's episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. For more information on communities and schools of Mid-America, please check out our website at cismidamerica.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media at CIS Mid-America. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. I am your host, Victoria Partridge, and until next time, class is dismissed.